morning. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker for this morning, some of uh, your pastor, uh, the Reverend Hutch Garmany. Uh, after graduating from the University of Georgia in 2001, Hutch spent, go dogs, right? I think that's the first time I've ever said that in my whole life. <laughs> Uh, Hutch spent four years serving with Campus Crusade for Christ at the University of Georgia and at Ole Miss. Uh, he then earned his MDiv at Reformed Theological Seminary and was called as assistant pastor to Rock Creek Church in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. In February of 2015, Rock Creek commissioned Hutch and his family to plant Grace Community Church in Trenton, Georgia, where he currently serves as senior pastor. Hutch is married to Ashley and they have four children. Can you please extend a warm Scots welcome to our friend Hutch Garmany. Grant, you sounded really good saying go dogs up here. I like that. It just music, music to my ears. Uh, it's very good to be with you uh, today. It's been a couple years since I've been able to, to be here and be able to speak to you. I've been able to see a couple familiar faces out there, uh, folks that are with us in Trenton at Grace Community. So it's a great privilege to get to be here today, uh, to get to join you in worship. What beautiful worship uh, you get to share in here together. So I'm very encouraged. Uh, what I want to talk about uh, with you in these next few moments, I wanted to talk about a passage in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 10, which is really a monumental moment where um, God takes the gospel and crosses one of the, the greatest uh, cultural, ethnic barriers to his people, and um, really as you look at the book of Acts, you, that's what you see. You see God moving his church across these barriers and out into the world. Jesus, as he sets up the book of Acts, uh, Luke records his moments right before he has ascended into heaven with his disciples, and he says to them, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And that forms the, um, it, it, it forms the structure of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is showing you the apostles being the disciples and taking the gospel both to Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and then to the uttermost ends of the earth. It's it's the outline of the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 10, the gospel has been crossing these barriers. And in Acts chapter 10, it crosses the greatest barrier, and that is the barrier between Jew and Gentile. As I think about the book of Acts, I think it's critical to see God's heart in it. As his longing finally has been unleashed in history as he is spilling over those barriers and pouring out himself in all the earth, to see his joy in that and moving his people out, I think is, is a critical thing to see in the book of Acts. And as I think about that movement, it reminds me of being in the ocean. If you've ever been in the ocean and you're kind of riding the waves, you know, as you're out there in the waves, you feel the energy begin to swell and pick you up and carry you forward. And then there's kind of a lull, and then there's another wave that carries you forward, and then a lull. And finally, it puts you out on the beach. That is kind of the feel of the book of Acts as God is moving his people with this tide, this swell that is growing and moving his people forward. And finally, in chapter 10, God moves his people 
the furthest they've ever been into the uttermost ends of the earth as the gospel comes to Cornelius, one of the first Gentiles to be converted. Now, I want to set up kind of this story. It's a long story. I won't read it all. I'll just read the the last portion of the story, but I want to kind of set it up first to give you an idea of the flow of the story and what's happening here. So Cornelius is a a captain in the uh, Roman army, and um, he is very much a Gentile, but also one whose heart uh, is open to God. He is a God-fearer. He believes in the God of Israel, but he is not a part of God's people yet. And Cornelius is praying one day, and an angel of the Lord comes to him, appears to him, and says, Cornelius, your prayers have come up to the Lord, and your, your offerings to the poor have come up before God. Uh, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send for a man named Peter. He's staying in Joppa in a, in a man named Simon's house. Send men to bring him to you. He's got a, he's got a message for you. And so Cornelius comes out of this vision. He quickly sends his men, tells them the story, sends them on their way. It's about a day's journey to go and get Peter. Meanwhile, we're told, Peter is at this house in Joppa. He's up on the roof of the house. He's praying. And as he's praying, he begins to have a vision from God. And there's a sheet coming down from heaven. There's all kinds of animals unclean animals, according to the Jewish law, on this sheet that's coming down, and a voice comes from heaven to Peter, and it says, arise, kill, and eat. And Peter, being a devote, a, a devoted and devout Jew all of his life, there's, there is a revulsion in his heart, and he says, surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. Surely you don't mean that. Surely that's not what you're talking about. And God repeats the vision three times. Now, you can imagine what this was like for Peter. Part of why God repeats it three times is because he's got to get across to Peter. Hey, Peter, something new is happening. I'm up to something new. I want to take you somewhere that you've never imagined going with this gospel of Jesus. And he repeats it three times, and Peter comes out of the trance, and he's processing what's just happened. And about that moment... The men arrive at his home. The Spirit says, the men are here. Go with them to this man's house. Peter comes down. He meets the men who have come from Cornelius. They begin their journey back to Cornelius' house. We're going to pick up the story as he comes into Cornelius' house. And now just imagine that you were Peter. All of your life you have been defined by being a Jew, by being separate from the nations, by these essential boundary markers of the observance of the ceremonial law. This has always been what it meant to be devoted to God, and yet all these things are about to be challenged is he is about to be led by God into the home of a Gentile where he's never been. You talk about being out of your comfort zone, he's way out of his comfort zone at this point. So imagine you're Peter as this begins to happen, and that's where we pick up the action here. Verse 27 Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you have sent me? 
Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So as he comes into his house, he finds that Cornelius is there, his entire family's there, and all of his friends have been gathered. Cornelius has gotten everyone together. He doesn't know what he's going to hear, but he knows that it's going to be from God. He knows that it's going to be big. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day. And caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter, in their midst, has just announced the gospel to the Gentiles. And now hear what happens. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. He didn't even get to his altar call. And God has poured out the Holy Spirit upon this room. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the other Jews, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. What a tremendous picture. The whole setup here, the story that Luke brings to us as God has brought Peter to this moment, he has prepared Cornelius for this moment that literally is an enormous marker in the life of the expansion of God's kingdom. Something that God had always longed for, something that God had always promised to do, even as he had called Abraham so many thousands of years before, his heart was for this moment where the children of Abraham would be the instrument through which God's gospel would go into all of the world, to the Gentiles, to the nations, people of all kinds of different ethnicity. And here is that moment as Peter is standing here and he is watching what is taking place. Even as he is still speaking, God splits heaven open and pours out his Holy Spirit in this moment. And the gospel begins to go to the uttermost ends of the earth. What do we learn from this? This story that that Luke brings to us. 
First and foremost, I think we see God's heart. God's heart and desire and longing to pour out himself on those who are outside, on those who are beyond the boundaries of his people. God wants to expand his kingdom. He wants to go to those people who are on the outside. It's his longing to do so. I imagine God's heart in this moment is Peter is announcing the gospel of Jesus. I imagine God's heart just brimming over with delight at what he's about to do, and then he pours out the fullness of his spirit upon the Gentiles, the nations, for the first time. So you've got to see his heart and his longing. But secondly, maybe more prominently, you've got to see that God longs for his people to share his heart for the outsider. See, this is about Peter. He sets this up for Peter, and Peter is an insider, kind of like us. I mean, he's, he is on the inside of God's people. He, he, he is... He is in the PCA, right? He knows good theology. He knows how you need to worship. He understands God's scriptures. He is on the inside. And yet God longs for him to share his heart for those who are on the outside, to move beyond his barriers, to go to those who are utterly unlike himself. That's what he longs for Peter See how he sets up every single detail throughout the story. He could have just said to Peter, hey, listen, I want you to go here. I want you to announce the gospel. The Gentiles are going to believe. Boom, there it is. We're going to go to the world. But he sets up the details. Peter doesn't know what's taking place. He sets it up to where Peter is walking into something that feels utterly uncomfortable. He doesn't know what's happening. In fact, as he's going, you can imagine him feeling, am I even doing what's right here? Am I sinning? Am I truly following God? I mean, he felt extremely uncomfortable, extremely out of place. He was moving into a place that felt unclean. And yet God was bringing him there so that through the experience, he would come to share in God's heart. Did you hear what Peter said as he walks into this room filled with unclean Gentiles? As he walks into the room and he hears them eager for the gospel. Did you hear what he said? I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but expects, accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. I now see that we are all saved on the basis of grace alone. He will come to announce that in chapter 15 as he's having to answer for this. Before all of the churches, they're gathered together, the leaders, the elders of the churches are gathered together, and he's having to explain to them what's happening with all of these Gentiles coming into the church. And he says, I have come to understand that they are saved by grace just like we are. You see, the gospel begins to show us that the only basis at which we come into the loving embrace of God is the pure saving grace of Jesus Christ alone. Not how you look, not how educated you are, not how much money you have, not anything in and of ourselves, but by pure grace alone. And that is what he comes to experience here. And the way that he shares that is through going to the hard places, is through being welcomed into the place of discomfort, 
That is God's way of bringing us to share in his heart. How does it apply to us? God wants us to share his heart for the outsider. He wants to move us out of our place of comfort. He wants us to share that longing that those who are unlike us, those who are on the outside, those who are of a different class, a different educational level, that we would long that they too would join in the riches of the gospel with us. That is what he longs for us. And so he calls us into these places, out into the turf of those who are unlike us. He calls us towards roommates that are utterly different than us. He calls us into those places of conflict that feel so scary we want to avoid them, but he wants to invite us into those because it's in that place that we come to share his heart for the other, for those who are different than us. And this is normal gospel movement. Because you see, that is exactly how Jesus had to move for us. He had to leave home. He had to leave what was comfortable. He had to leave what was like him. He had to come into our turf, into our world, into our brokenness to become like us in order that we might know life. When that begins to hit home for you, when you begin to see at the depth of your heart that's the way Christ has moved towards you, it begins to create this movement in us outside of our places of comfort and towards those who are other, unlike us, on the outside. So let me share a little bit about my own experience and how God has brought this to fruition in my own life. So about two years ago, God called me and my family to leave what was very comfortable for us. He called us to leave Lookout Mountain, Rock Creek Fellowship, where I was an associate pastor, and to go to Trenton, Georgia, a place that was very different from here. It's not far, just a couple miles down the road, but culturally, socioeconomically, vastly different. And he called us to go to those places, and for me, it was very much like going to Cornelius' house. Now, I kind of grew up in that kind of a place. I grew up in a small town called Chickamauga that's very like Trenton. It's blue-collar. It's uh, lower middle class. It's what I like to call the NASCAR crowd. That was kind of my home culture, okay? But here's what happened for me. I left. I, I went away to college. I was educated. I was converted in college. I came to understand Reformed theology and the doctrines of grace, and I fell in love with the richness of theology that we have in the Reformed tradition. And I became a part of the PCA. I began to grow. I went to seminary. I changed cultures. I went from the NASCAR crowd to the PCA crowd, right? This is who the PCA tends to really do well with, the educated. And, and that's what I began to love, education and learning and, and theology and all of these things. That was what was most comfortable for me. And I had changed cultures. But you see, God called me to cross back, to go back to Cornelius' house. And it's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's, I feel like a fish out of water many times. But you know what I found? It's more about my heart and what God wants to do in me and how he wants me to share his heart for those who are different from me. That is primarily what God has been up to and what he's done in taking me to Trenton.
He has invited me to share his heart for those who are different. And he calls us to the same. Here, let me try to bring it down for you. Kind of a shameless plug here. Application for you today. So I'm thinking to myself, why did God put Covenant College in Dade County? I don't know how much you know about Dade County, but uh, if you go down to Trenton, Georgia, you realize that Dade County is very different than Chattanooga, very different place. So I began to think to myself, why did God put Covenant College here, a place that I love, like a city set on a hill, literally like a city set on a hill. From my house in Trenton, you can see Covenant College shining in the night sky like a city set on a hill, a place that has been blessed with so many of you passionate Jesus followers who are being equipped and trained here to think biblically in all things, to make Christ preeminent in all things, to go out into the world and to engage the world. And I'm thinking, why did God put this here? Why did God put the Chalmers Center right here in Dade County, right? This place that's literally leading much of the world in economic development. Why is that taking place? Because we believe God's sovereign. It's not an accident, right? Why would he do that? Why would he put Covenant College in the county in Georgia that leads per capita in suicide? Did you know that? Why would he put Covenant College in a county where widespread poverty is all around? Why would he put Covenant College in a county where divorce is an epidemic, where drug addiction is just gone viral? Why would he do that? It's not an accident. Here's my call to you. Get involved in Dade County. There's so many different ways for you to get engaged in Dade County, through the schools, there's internships. There's a partnership with the middle school currently with Covenant College. Pray for us. Uh, do research projects in Dade County. It's your county. It's where the college is literally sitting. Now, I'm not asking you to come to our church. If you all came to our church, you would cripple our church. You would totally overwhelm everything. We have a number of wonderful Covenant students in our church. But what I'm saying is, Get involved where God has put you. Begin to pray about Dade County that has massive needs and that is very different than most of you in this room. As you begin to share God's heart for the outsider, for those who are different than you, then it moves you in a different direction. Downward mobility. Now, I realize that not everyone in here is called to Dade County. A few of you will be, not everyone. And so the call for all of us, as we look at what God was doing in the life of Peter as he takes him into Cornelius' world, is move towards the outsider. Share God's heart for those who are different from you, who are on the outside. Go to those places of discomfort because it's in going. It's in experiencing that that you begin to experience God's heart for the world. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would help us as your people who are very inclined, as you well know, to become comfortable where we are, to be with people who are like us, 
Um, it's what's comfortable to us. It's what we know. But I pray that we would see your heart. One, that we would see your heart in the gospel as you would leave the comfort and the glory of heaven to come and pursue us that we might belong to you. That we would see and experience that for ourselves, but that it would begin to drive us outside of ourselves. That we would be a people that Covenant College, that these students would be disciples of Jesus who leave the places of familiarity and comfort in order to pursue those who are on the outside. Lord, would you make this college like a city set on a hill that's light would be distributed in all the various communities that are around? Would you begin to use the great influence for Christ at this college in Dade County that Christ may be preeminent in all things in Dade County so that you would receive glory and so that your kingdom would come in all of its fullness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.